This morning, whenever I went to prepare, Pastor uh, is gone this morning, if you haven't guessed. <laughs> He's out doing the work of God. But I went to prepare, and I, uh, the Lord took me immediately to the 18th chapter of Luke. In verse 1, 18, Luke 18, 1, the whole story is Luke 18, 1 to 8. I won't read all of all my scriptures because I don't want you to be here forever, okay? But you can read them afterwards, jot it down. Or you can come and get a copy from me if you need to. He says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's what Jesus said. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. I, I read it this morning in the Spanish service like this. If we leave out prayer, it means men ought to faint. How true is that? Are you fainting in, in, your, in, your, in Christ? Are you not walking in victory? You're not praying. I can tell you because men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to come up short, not to come up without, but to have everything God has for us. Now, uh, um, I'm like pastor. He said the other day he broke out in English. I'm starting to break out in Spanish. Sorry, I started to say faith. But faith is essential to prayer. And today I'm going to show you different kinds of prayers. I'm going to show you how to pray some things. But the essential is you've got to have faith. And I'm going to show you how to pray when you don't know what to pray for, how to pray when you're not sure, or when you know it's God's will and you don't want to do it. See, God covers all the areas in our life, you know, and, and the, he gave us a pattern in the uh, book of uh, Matthew 6, if you want to turn there, but he begins to teach uh, uh, anyway and gives us a pattern. But the story in, in Luke 18, 1 through 8 talks about a widow, a widow who went day after day before the judge. The judge wasn't willing to give her her answer. He wasn't willing. And Jesus is teaching this in such a way, he says, this is the way it is in the kingdom of God. Sometimes it don't seem like you're getting the answer. Sometimes you have to go day after day. Sometimes you have to make it prayer. So he said, Jesus teaching his very own disciples who were good men of prayer, who were dedicated servants of God, they need to know this, and we need to know this even much more. Men are always to pray and not to faint. We need to know because the natural man will always faint. In the spirit, we will pray. Praise God. So anyway, with her much going, finally the judge says, I'm going to let her have what she's asking for. And Jesus in verse 8 says, I say unto you, he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of God cometh. Shall he find faith on the earth? Now, faith doesn't come accidentally. Faith doesn't just randomly jump on you. Right? Right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So when you hear God's Word, it's open in your faith. When this morning, when you hear God's Word on prayer, it's going to open your faith to certain kinds of prayers that you may not have been praying. Because you're suffering, you're doing without, because you are not praying or using different things that God has provided for us. The disciples couldn't do certain things when they walked with Jesus himself that they did later once they were walking and filled with the Holy Spirit. So he enables us through these means to have effective prayer, to have prayer of faith, and faith is based in his word. Some things you don't really have to pray about because, if, uh, for instance, if you would say, well, is it God's will for that person to be saved? He already said in his word he would that everybody, everyone 
would come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Everyone would be saved. So if you're asking me that now, whether you receive it or not, Jesus come and died that everyone might be saved. Whosoever believes, anyone. So the condition is, shall you believe? You know, and when we pray for people, God can do things in their life. When we intercede, there's intercessory prayer. Will you take up a person or a situation, you begin to intercede, believing God. They may not be willing, but God can make us willing, right? He, his word will come to them. They may not have heard the word. My father, who fought against it for years, who used to, when I got saved, he grilled me for about four hours. I mean, really raked me. I was all afraid of him, you know. Really, really raked me over the coals and everything else, but he couldn't break me. Why? Because I had more in me than that he had in him. His last words, I was, I'm going to tear you down every way I can. He said, I, you know, but he didn't. When we get a hold of faith, his kind of strength couldn't match it. He couldn't walk, it couldn't come against it. So I know what it is. You know, 40 years later, he gets saved. And his words to me, he says, I just couldn't believe it was for me. He's fighting against it because he didn't have faith that was for him. If you're here this morning and you haven't received Jesus, you don't have faith yet. You need to hear the Word of God. And when the Word of God and the Spirit of God deals in your life, then you come up and you, you say, I want to get saved. There, you know, I believe it's for me. And when he did believe it was for him, he got saved. Was such a changed man. In the last 70 years of his life, he lived for the Lord. The seventh year, my grandmother had died in November, and he died in, in March. And he went to her, uh, talking about her funeral. It was just like a saint of God going on. He got so interested in heaven by seeing my grandmother's funeral that he decided he wanted to go. So to me, it's not a, it's not a sad thing that he went on. He, he loved the Lord, living. he's in, alive in heaven with Jesus. But he got such a desire to go to heaven. He didn't have that before. See, God can create in us. I know it from my own family. I've seen my brothers get saved. I've seen my, all my whole family get saved. And we weren't like that. We're, you know, the, the, the family tradition was alcoholics and, 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 and you know, uh, people who run around. People did all kinds of things. You know, I know what that stuff is about, but I know God can redeem us. And not only us, but our families, our friends. God can be working in us. And if you're here today and you want to change a heart, God's going to change your heart. Amen. He says, men aren't always to pray. And then in Matthew 6, he begins to give us some things not to do, and he gives us a pattern. Now, the reason why it's a pattern is Jesus prayed in different parts of the Scripture, but he didn't pray this prayer, right? He didn't always pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good pattern, and there's nothing wrong with praying it, but that's more just a pattern for how he wants you to pray. It's covering many different areas, okay? So first he begins in verse 5. He says in the middle of it there, you shall not pray like the hypocrites. Praise God. Hypocrites pray, church. It's not effective. It's all show and no go, right? Hypocrites pray. Some of the loudest prayers you hear are from hypocrites. That's what Jesus said. So they stand and they pray loud and everything else. I mean, there is prayers that we do out loud and everything, but, but these people do it for just so men can admire them. But that's not what prayer is about. The second thing he deals in verse 7 and verse 6, he says, When you pray, enter into your closet. Enter into a private place 
with God. Doesn't mean all prayers done there, but he said, in, that, in essence, we are praying between God and us, the Father and us. We're praying a prayer. We're reaching out to Him, and, and we begin to pray in what God wants done. And we know His will, and maybe in the situation, so we begin to pray that. We say, God, you know, this brother, this this man, he's going this way. My, my father's going that way. He's running. You know, God, you can touch him. You can save him. You can work in him. However, you want to do it. And God will use some strange ways, church. When my dad got saved, uh, my brother-in-law, who uh, my dad threatened his dad with a gun to kill him and a few other things <laughs> when they got married because he was so mad my sister left the home. You know, he's used to controlling everything. Do you all know some controlling people? I mean, I've been to the extreme. My wife and I come from families that are extremely, extremely controlling. But God has worked his grace in our lives. And, and, and so he, he, had, he, was, he was like that. And, and so even though they might be controlling, that doesn't mean they're in control. That spirit of control gets a hold of people and they got to control everything. And uh, since you enter into a closet, you enter into a private place between you and God, and you begin to pray. You begin to, to go in there and, and, and make your prayer for yourself, for others, or whatever. He says, and when you, what you do in secret, God rewards openly. I don't know how many times I've prayed in secret, and God caused it to happen openly. And the glory of God comes in. You know, when I've prayed for some of you, God has done something in your life. It's, it becomes open, but it's the prayer it's the time you spend in praying and interceding and doing those things that God openly does his work. He says in verse 7, don't use vain repetitions. In other words, you're not going to be heard because you repeat. Now, the first one I read, she went time and time and time again. But she was, she was driven by compassion. She was driven by purpose. She was driven by desire. And she kept going back. So she wasn't heard because she kept repeating it. She was heard because her heart and her compassion was causing her to come before God and repeatedly ask for what was going to be hers. So there's a difference. You know, we can memorize prayers and say prayers, but repetition does not affect God. Faith affects God. You don't have to be eloquent in speech. You don't have to be real knowledgeable. You just have to walk in faith and pray. All right? It doesn't take, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. All your knowledge may limit you. Sometimes you get to knowing too much and not walk, hearing what the Spirit is saying and not walking in agreement with His Word. But when we get to walking in that, such power is released. So in this next few verses, is very familiar, but... This is the pattern. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a pattern of the candlestick, the altar, the table of showbread. But in heaven, there's a real thing. And I'll tell you what, the earthly pattern was similar, but it was nothing compared to what's in heaven. Jesus didn't offer his blood upon the altar here on earth. He went to the heavenly of heaven. He's offered his blood once and for all, for all men's sin, there on the altar before God in the heavenly places in heaven because that was where the real was. See, Jesus wants to do real things in us. He's not a God of theory. He's not a God of, he's a God of reality. He's a God that the things are true. It's so true when God speaks something, it happens. 
Genesis 1, what happened? He spoke. The world was created. Genesis 1, he spoke. The sky, the sun, the moon, the stars. All these things happened. Man was made. He spoke. So when God speaks, things happen. Just like when that judge spoke to this little lady, kept asking, it happened. That's the example for us about our Heavenly Father who causes things to happen in our life. I, do, I don't care anything about praying just to pray. I want to pray for a purpose. God always has a purpose. We could break down a lot of things Jesus' purpose was, but First John puts it this way. Was this purpose, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus' purpose on the earth was to destroy any work of the devil. And we are like him. We are walking him. We are sons of God. Our purpose is to do the same thing. We're to do what he did. He says, greater work shall you do than I done. And when he went to heal the one man who was sick and they was all watching in case he would do work on the Sabbath, they didn't understand the word. And he says, didn't say be healed. He said, your sins will be forgiven you. And they got all upset because didn't think he could forgive sins. But then he said, you know, in the name of those you might know, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. He said, that's the same. It's no difference between the two. So this morning when we pray, we want to make sure that we take the prayer, pray after the patterns God has already set in order because then we're not recreating what we're doing. We're following what Jesus did. I don't have to make up a whole new thing and start a whole new doctrine, a whole new church out of something. I need to take what Jesus did and do it that way. My dad built homes uh, for us. And he always had a way of building the rafters that I, I don't know if everybody does it that way, but then you couldn't buy them or whatever. He would take, when he poured the foundation, he would take and build a rafter first on the foundation because when he got up to the top, if everything was true, it would fit there. But he'd do one pattern, and then he cut them all out from that same pattern. They were all individual ra- rafters, but they were all after that pattern. So here's the pattern God has given us. He says in verse uh, 8, He says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. You think you're going to catch God by surprise what you're going to ask? You think he doesn't know where you're at? He's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to ask concerning those things. He's waiting for you to pray and ask for those things. That little woman, the judge, knew maybe what she did after the first, needed after the first time. But somebody has to go and, and, and ask God in the name of Jesus. And Jesus told disciples, you have not received like this before, but now ask the Father in my name that you may have those things you are praying for. Praise God. That gives me knowledge. I need to ask the Father in Jesus' name that I might have answered prayers. He says, your Father knows what you have need of, and after this manner pray, our Father which art in heaven. We're acknowledging who he is. We're saying, God, you are the God who has power over all things. That's really what it's saying. Hallowed, you're holy. You're one God. You're singular. You're, you're the one that we have, you know, our total. You've given all that. Jesus came in earth and took that power in the earth. For God had given man the power in Genesis 1, over everything happened in the earth. Jesus came as a man that he might take that power. Because when he went to hell, he took all power of hell, the keys, 
to death, hell, and the grave. He took them in his hands, and now he has all power, he said in in, the 28th chapter of Matthew, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, and also in hell. So he took the authority that man has and uh, the power uh, with the power that God has, and he combined those things, and now we walk like him. That's why we're called Christians. We're like Jesus in the earth. So if your prayer life is not reaching where it should be, you should take heed today and say, I'm going to pray like that. That's what the Scripture says. I'm going to pray in that manner. He said, next, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth. If I look into heaven, is there any disorder? Is there riots? Is there trouble? You can read the news of heaven. Nobody was shot last night. They didn't have, when I grew up, we didn't have locks on the door. Only locks was on our screen door so the wind wouldn't blow it open. The windows was left open at night. You know what I mean? Uh, it was a more secure time. But that's the way it is in heaven. There's no disorder. There's no, things are under the order of Christ. And God said for you to pray in the earth, in your area, in your kingdom, right? Pray the kingdom of God. Be here just like it is in heaven. So that's what we're doing. We're praying God's will. We're praying God's uh, things in our life. We're reading the word of God, and God says you should have that. Then you should pray for that to be in your life. Men are not ways to pray and not faint. Men are to pray with a certain expectancy that God is going to hear them. I'm not one, one much to worry about all this. I want God to hear me when I pray. I want to do it the way God, I want to be heard. I'm not, I'm not uh, concerned about praying. I have enough other things I could pray for. But when I pray for something, I want God to hear. I want him to answer. And I want him to, uh, to have the request that I ask of him. So to be effective, okay? He says, uh, your will be done on earth. Then he tells us, to, you know, you can pray for your daily bread. You can pray for your provision. God wants you to have provision. And around here we've learned this already, a lot of you, in that you're giving your tithes and your offerings. So if you come to me and say, uh, pray with me about giving tithes, do I have to say, oh, God, if it's your will? Someone comes back and say, do I have to say, pray, oh, God, if it's your will? Now, I know they may not be willing, and I've prayed with people over the years that need to be willing to receive the Lord, people who need to be willing to give their tithes and offering, people who need to be willing to work in the body of Christ. I know it's God's will, but they're not having it, so I'm to pray that the will of God be in them, whatever it takes to conform them. Whatever, in other words, it says whatever is blocking you from having what God has said, that's what God is, that's what prayer is for. Something is blocking you, you you just don't automatically have it. In heaven, it's automatic. Because there is no flesh there that can be tempted to not do God's will. So here we're having to deal with the flesh, but we overcome it by the Spirit. It is greater and more powerful. We put it at a, we hold it at a distance and receive the things of God. Amen? Praise God. Hopefully you're getting something this morning. Okay, and he says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. You need to be a forgiven and forgiving person. You want to you stop your prayers? He says so much that if a husband and wife's having a lot of problems, that will hinder your prayer. So if me and my wife's not getting along, that will hinder my prayer. And if we're not forgiving each other, 
He says, your heavenly father won't forgive you. Don't you think that would hinder your prayer? You'll be walking out with all that guilt. You won't feel like going before God because you have unforgiveness in your heart and it's stuck in you. One of the most liberating things is to forgive others. And that doesn't mean I don't know they didn't wrong me. That doesn't mean one guy get to go down and pray over his home when he bought a young man. And pretty sure he stole $3,500 out of my banking account by stealing checks. Years later, I get to go down and minister to him in his home and stuff. You know, if we hold that against him, think how much that would have been a hindrance in his life. But when we walk forgiving others who trespass against us, when we walk when others despitefully use us, when we walk when things come against us and we're still walking in love. See, my dad was looking for someone who could walk in Christ and show an example and walk in love and and not give in and not turn back and not... He needed that. So whenever he had given my brother-in-law such trouble, threatened, my sister didn't come home for seven years until my brother-in-law said, we got to go back up there. But one night, my brother-in-law was on the way to church. He's like me. He comes to the same church all the time. He was there 50-something years. And, and he's on church, with church. And God said, go see my dad. All this stuff had been sown, but he had forgiven and that night he goes up there and said, the Lord told him to come see him. And it was at a point in his life he was ready. He didn't get saved right there, but the next day dad said, I'm going to go down and see Harley too. I'm going to get saved. <laughs> and, and, and on the way down there, he, he gave his heart to the Lord. He comes to Harley. Harley said, I ain't got anything for you. He said, but on the way down, God had dealt with him and he got saved. Forgiveness in the family, restoration in the family. God, nothing is too big for God to do. There's no situation, I like what Corey Tim Boone, her sister said, there's no pit so deep that God's not deeper still. God can reach down the middle of your life. He can reach in the middle of our life. When someone intercedes and prays, God can reach in and do great things. He can bring light to a whole nation. I think about Paul as he was going through city to city, and, the, and most of the time the Lord said, go ahead and preach, but he knew he was called to preach. He had no doubt about that. He knew he had the word of God. He knew he had the plan that the, uh, God, Jesus had revealed him on that road to Damascus and what he was to go and do. But he would pray and he said, shall I stop here? Shall I stop? And the Lord said, yeah. And then somebody said, no. Just wasn't their time. But it doesn't matter. Someone else may be sent. But we're doing what God said. And so when we have already determined what God wants us to do and we do it, then comes his kingdom in our life. Then comes his plan into us. Okay? And lastly, it says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know you can pray not to be given over to that temptation that always takes you under? Have you continually been beset by this? All of us do. Because Jesus said, uh, no, Paul said, I think, there is a temptation that is particularly alluring to you. Do what? it, It particularly gets you. Some things may not. You know, some things may not appeal to you. I have no doubt. But when you've planted something in your life, there develops a hunger for it. When you've sown this into your life, that's the way sin works. If you sow sin, in comes the hunger for it. You know? I use the term. 
Pandolsi. Many of y'all start thinking those thoughts. I don't. <laughs> I like a different kind of sweet. You know what I mean? It's like ice cream. Now that I get me thinking, you know what I mean? And whatever it is that on you gets your interest. What has had your interest is usually the thing you may have to battle for unless the Lord just absolutely set you free and delivered you totally from it. So uh, I'm for God doing that too. But there are some things you're still going to struggle with. And so he said, don't lead us into temptation. So you need to pray this prayer that I'm not going to be tempted, but I'm going to have the things of God in my life. I'm going to have the victory over that thing. But deliver us from evil. With the temptation in comes evil. Evil is right behind temptation when you take it. You say, why do bad things go on earth? Sin. And right behind sins, evil, wars, destructions, fights in families, marriages break up. Right behind temptation comes sin. Right behind sin is evil. I mean, it's coming. You can be redeemed from those things, and you can break, and you can have redeemed from the curse. You know, you may have to face something, but you can overcome those things through Christ Jesus and live above those things from now on. Amen. That's what God has designed for us. And he goes on and, and says, For yours the kingdom is the power and the glory forever. And he warns us again, If you don't forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will not forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. I don't care how cute you are. Don't care how many dimples you got. You know, some people used to, whatever they did, some grin and they get by with it, right? A lady one time told me, I used to be pretty, you know, she's getting older. She said, I used to just grin at the highway patrol when he turned me, uh, would pull me over and he'd just let me go. God's not moved for some such things because he has created beautiful creatures, amen? He has created you to be beautiful and he's created things inside of you. And that's the end we pray to is that we have the very creation of God in us. And it was a pattern of the early church, the disciples in Acts 3. says Peter and John went to pray and met a lame man on the way, right? But what were they doing? They had purpose to pray. It being the hour of prayer, it says. Jesus went aside in the garden and prayed. And Jesus said this in Matthew 21, 13. My house shall be called a house of prayer. But look at the second part of that. But you have made it a den of thieves. He's saying, basically, if you get it through prayer, it is rightfully yours. But if you're going to try to steal it, you become a den of thieves. Many times when the church quits praying, when people quit interceding, when people get in, it becomes a den of thieves. They're trying to get the things of God not the right way. He says a thief comes up another way. Don't try to develop another way. Come up the right way. It's by faith in Jesus Christ according to his word and promises. It comes through your heavenly Father to you by the Spirit of God. I don't need another way. God has already made and created that. And here's some different kinds of prayer in Matthew 18, 18 through 20. If you want to turn there. 
uh, a wonderful Baptist brother, Mickey Bonner, was on the radio for, I don't know, 30 years or whatever. He taught spiritual warfare praying, and he used this scripture. He come to our church, and I got to talk to him about it. But I was amazed that, because uh, sometimes we think the Baptists aren't on fire. He was a fervent man, and he knew how to pray this type of prayer. So there's different types of prayers. There's different situations in your life. And if you're not using the different things, you need to at least hear about it. How are you going to use it if you don't hear about it? You know, uh, if, if some of y'all are in construction, there's been many new products come out. And if you don't know about that product and you're still doing it this way, many times there's many things that are much better when you, when you find out about it, it's much stronger. It will work much better. And this is a type of prayer that we need to do, and that's the prayer of agreement. In uh, Matthew 18, verse 18 through 20, says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you bind in the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Church, we have been given great authority. It says, Whatever you bind and whatever you loose. A lot of times when I'm praying, I will bind something at the same time, then I will pray and loose something. I'll loose some of the things of God in their life, but I'm praying binding some of the things that, that sin has brought in. I'm praying binding the effects of sin and, and binding uh, them from going that same direction that I might loose the blessings of God and the promises of God and the situation of God. And he says, if two or three of you, so Mickey Bonner taught it this way, uh, say the, uh, the Connell family and I was coming to pray, and, and, and one of them comes up with something to pray for. They're probably going to share with me what it is so I can pray agreement. You see, there needs to be a knowledge of what it is. And in order to pray real agreement, we've got to also know what the Word of God says so that I can actually pray that into my life. So if Brother Mark gives him what it is and, and, and that, and then the two of us and him, he begins to pray, and we agree. See, I begin to agree with him to have the things that he's asking for. It's, and I'm necessarily praying at the same time. I'm agreeing with him. And, uh, and this is what we call spiritual warfare. We're working a prayer of agreement. We're, we're doing And you need brothers and sisters in Christ who can pray with you a, a, a prayer agreement. In our men's group, we have that. After our men's meeting, there are older men, younger men. They're all mixing together, and they are praying about things. They're talking about things. They're getting ready to pray for somebody, and it happens. And we're seeing things happen because we are using this principle of the, of the Word of God. Amen? Praise God. He says uh, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they ask, it shall be done of the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in his name, there the presence of the Lord is. He inhabits the praises of his people. He says he desires to walk among the congregation. And this is what Jesus does. He visits us. He works in us. He comes down in the middle of the situation. And even that which you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will move through you. And help you to pray in God's will. See, many of y'all have given up maybe on having God's will in that area. But you need to read the word again. You need to get with some. I walked in where there's no faith. And I've had to preach the word of God that build up in faith. And then pray the prayer of faith and see the results. If I had not preached the word of God or if I had not showed them in God's word where that was God's will, they would have fainted. They were already fainted. 
And so we lift up those of faint heart. We lift up those that, uh, that have doubt. For this will drive out, fasting and prayer will drive out that unbelief and God will open up all things become possible to those who believe. The next thing is praying in the Spirit in Romans 8, 26 through 27. I don't know about you, but I come up sometimes, I have limitations. And you have limitations. I played basketball for years. One of my limitations, I'm short, compared to basketball players. I never let that bother me. Sometimes we have fear. I mean, those guys come running at me. I just think the three-pointer over them. They'd be jumping up. I, you know, I may not be able to jump. Or if I'm playing them down low, I, I weighed 270 pounds, so I could push the big guys. You know what I mean? That was my job, going there and put a body on them and, 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 you know, do whatever. You know, use, but in the spirit, we're not to have limitations, really. We can go overcome those things. Now, I can't grow to be 7'4". And I can't grow young, right? But, uh, this, and I, I, you know, so I just want to encourage you to overcome. He says uh, in, in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Infirmities is your weak places, your bad places, your rotten places, okay? And when Paul was praying, uh, and he said, I went and prayed three times. Paul wasn't used to praying three times. Man, what a man of God. It had been 14 years. He'd even been to the third heaven. And he had all these great things, but he come up against something he couldn't overcome. So he had the possibility of determining certain things. He said, it must not be God's will for me to have that. And he didn't fall into that pit. For he knew it was God's will for him to have victory over this. He could have said, well, God delivers some and he doesn't deliver some. God does this and that. You know what I mean? We will either develop our own little doctrines or like Paul, he said, I prayed three times. And he said, then the Spirit began to speak to him. And he said, God said, my grace is sufficient. And the grace is the power of God resting upon our infirm places, enabling us to do all God has called us to do. See what I'm talking about? Enabling us to do whatever God has for us. Even though we got our limitations, the grace rests upon us to and calls us. It says the grace of God is the power of Christ upon us is what the, uh, Paul's revelation was in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said about those things. So here we're talking in Romans. The Spirit helps our infirmities. It helps our weaknesses. It helps our rotten places. It helps our shortcomings. And he says, for we know not what we should pray for. Whoa. Sometimes you don't know what you should pray for? Yes. We know not what we should pray for as we should. You've been there, I'm there. Some of you just stay there, but that's not what it says here. The Spirit helps you when you don't know what to pray for as you should, as you ought to. You ought to know, I mean, if you knew perfectly the Word of God, if we were perfectly walking with Jesus, we would know. But the disciples didn't know because they wasn't walking perfectly with God. 
But not walking perfectly with God is no excuse not to have answered prayer. Not being perfect is not an excuse. It's not an excuse to accept some things. That is clearly in God's word. No, his will be done on earth. If it's not happening in heaven, it doesn't need to be happening in our lives. Now, that's prayer, right? How would you like that? Well, that's what God has for you. If it's not going on in heaven, it don't need to go on in your life. Your family don't need to be having problems. That's what prayer is for. You don't need to be walking down and out. You don't need to be under because it's not happening in heaven. Oh, I don't know if I'll reach perfection before I get to heaven, but that's my goal is going after Christ with all my heart. I'm not accepting my infirmities as being the final say. I'm accepting what God says and what the Spirit tells me as being the final say. So it goes on to say, He helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, that's the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, the Holy Spirit, when we're praying in the Spirit, and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and evidence of speaking other tongues. When we pray in the Spirit, we are praying the Word of God, the will of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't pray anything else. He's never going to pray something bad in your life. He's never going to pray for the devil to have victory over you. He's never going to pray for your family to have troubles and tribulations. He's never going to pray. He just doesn't do it like that, right? He is praying because he's hearing from the Father and from Jesus, and that's the will he's praying into your life. So in other words, someone who's empowered by the Holy Spirit and prays in the Spirit, they are literally praying God's Word. Even though you're praying in tongues, that's the Holy Spirit praying through you the very words that need to be prayed to our Heavenly Father. It may be in another language, but we're praying in his will in our life. So he says the Spirit helps our infirmities. And verse 27, he that searches our heart. See, the Holy Spirit searches us because sometimes we have blockages. This is the old example of a young man who come down. He was in and out, in and out, in and out. And there's two ladies, elderly ladies, praying for him. One is praying, one is praying, fill him, Lord, fill him, Lord. And the other one's praying, don't do it, Lord. He leaks. The scripture says basically that. He says the flesh always leaks. God puts his stuff in our spirit, man. We're born again of the spirit. And our spirit, man, is born again. Our flesh is not. Your mind is not naturally redeemed. Your spirit, man, is. That God might put in that and hold perfectly the things of God. And it translates it to your soul. I had to have an interpreter, Sister Nelda. Thank you. This morning I did the Spanish service. Hallelujah. I, I, uh, we were blessed. It, it, but, you know, interpreter is, uh, is kind of like we have. The Holy Spirit knows what is the plan of God. So he interprets. He brings that into our lives in that it might be a reality in the earth. For what we pray unto God happens in the earth. Binding, loosing. It was in the earth, right? It wasn't in heaven. We don't bind things in heaven or loose things. We bind and loose certain things. Amen? And uh, 
He said, uh, he that searches knows what's the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for you. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you according to what you hope? No. What you wish? No. What you think? No. According to your own personal doctrine? No. He makes intercession for you according to the will of God. Ooh, church, you can get in the will of God. You can walk in the things. Just like Paul said, he knew it was God's will for him to preach. He knew it was to go to the nations, but he'd say, God, let's do it here. And, and sometimes the Spirit told him, no, you're going to the next place. You know, or whatever. But Paul was constantly, he didn't care when the whole group broke out and said, you know, Diana, you know, goddess of all this stuff. And they, for two hours, wouldn't let him say a word because of their excitement for it. He still reached people in that area and others will still reach later you know he wasn't discouraged by what happened and sometimes when you do the plan of God things don't work out like it should a pastor had been uh, who was a neighbor of mine one time he had been fired from a church he got he started getting close to the sin that was in the church and they fired him and the Lord told me go over there and tell him that he really done the will of God in coming to that church. You think, I've been fired, all this stuff. You know, God, why did I waste my time? No, God sent him to preach to that people. They didn't receive it, but God wanted them to have a chance. God wanted the gospel to them. So whether you received or not is not necessarily the thing. The thing is we've done the will of God. He sent and brought that message there. He sent and brought it to the people. They rejected it and told him to go, but that's fine. He still was doing what God had. Yeah, it was painful. Yes, it was hurting. But he needed to also see that he was still working with God and God wasn't without him because God loves people. You accept him, you reject him, whatever. God still loves you. And he will send people by to bring you the gospel. And I have had him tell me all things. Went and prayed for a man. The wife called me one time. Went over and preached to him a little while. He didn't want prayer, didn't want anything to do with me. She called me again. I went back over there after three or four times. Then one night, about 11, 11.30, she called and said, Can you come over? He wants to see you. I walked in there and talked to them, preached him, led him to the Lord. She woke up at 6 o'clock the next morning. He had passed away. I could have taken the rejection. I could have looked at it as a failed mission. But we're praying the will of God. I've had a couple of times like that with just a few days leading somebody to the Lord. And it's a great feeling to know that you didn't accept the rejection. You didn't accept, look as I'm you. No, I'm preaching the word of God. Receive it or not, it, it's not affecting me. I mean, it's going to break my heart. It's going to cause me to intercede. But if I don't put it out there, then what hope do they have? What is the possibility of someone never hearing the word? There's whole nations that really hadn't heard the word. In the United States, there's generations that have not heard the word as a whole. I see them every day. Forty and under basically haven't heard the word. Yes, some have, but not as a generation. And we need to take that word of God on your job, where you're at. You know, you're planting the seed of God, and it's going to come forth. It says, though he tarries, it's going to happen, okay? 
Praying in the Spirit really puts power to your prayers. Paul put it this way in Corinthians. He says, when I, what is it then that I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding? He says, when I know, I will pray in my native tongue with my understanding. That's fine too. I pray with understanding. I pray in the Spirit. Paul prayed with understanding. He prayed in the Spirit. Both are, are ways we pray. That's why I'm teaching you different ways. I want to challenge you for prayer. That's what it's all about, church. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Or if you leave prayer out, men ought always to faint. So you, you, you're choosing this day which one you want. In Matthew 21, 22 through 22, uh, 21 through 22, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. This next one is the prayer of faith. If I am going to pray, I need to be in faith. But then there's also like a prayer of faith where you, your faith is going to stand so strong in that you're going to see it happen. And the way to get faith is to preach the word, is to, to do some things. And, and it says here, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but you shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done of the Father. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So when we ask believing, we receive. We actually receive at that point. Prayer is pre-receiving. If you had it, you have no need to pray for it, right? So if you're sitting out there with a brand new SUV in your driveway all paid for, you don't pray for it. You got it. And if that was what you were believing for and you start praying and you have the provision of that and it's like, you know, what you've been praying, that's Prayer. Prayer is pre-receiving. Before I receive, I pray. Not the other way around. I pray before I was. You get it? Before? Before? Okay. And James talks about in 5, 14 through 16, it talks about the prayer of faith again concerning the elders. The elders, as, as elders, we have a responsibility to be able to pray the prayer of faith. We need to be able to build up your faith. We need to be able to preach the word to you, instruct you so that you can build up. And if you're coming up and you're having an area you're struggling, tell the elder because that gives them a chance to give you the word of God so that you can have faith built up. And when we lay hands on you, you receive. Okay? And uh, the second part of that says the prayer of faith will save the sick and raise him up. But in verse 16, it says confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. One time the Lord had me go confess my faults to somebody. You know, that really knocks the pride out of you. You need a mature Christian. But what it did for me was that temptation quit being a temptation. Because I said, I don't want to go through that again. You know, sometimes following the scriptural way really helps us. You're going through this. You've been sinning in that area. And you go confess. Yeah, that will knock it out of you if you or. It'll really make you think the next time. It's the devil. He tempts you. and I don't want to go through that again. I'm not going to go do that again. You know what I mean? And that's why the Scripture puts it in us. If you confess your faults, I'm not talking about just blabbing everything, but if you need to get rid of something, you need a mature Christian to go to, not just anybody. You know, uh, because they know how to hold in confidence the things that they need to hold in confidence and pray with you concerning those things. 
That's just something, that's free today, okay? <laughs> but the second part. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the effectual red-hot prayer of a righteous man. When a person begins to really get a hold of what they're praying for, this little widow every day, she didn't let it get off of her mind. She didn't leave her heart. She every day went. So when you have a fervent prayer, you're praying it and praying it and praying because it is on your heart. It is a thing you're designed for when you're coming against a situation and things have happened in your life and you want to, it says the whole creation groans and travails for the rev- for the revealing of the, pre- of the things of God. One day it will all be redeemed whenever Christ returns but right now we're praying and travailing in our lives for the glory of God we are the first part of the redemption man has been granted the position of being first the creation is going to be redeemed later but we are being redeemed now what Christ did he redeems us now in the present That we can walk in the things of God right now. So he says, fervent, effectual. That means it gets the job done. You're effective. You're not missing it. But you're having what you prayed for. I want to encourage you to pray an effectual, fervent prayer. The things on your heart, you need to take that in prayer and be effective and pray it. He says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that's what Jesus gave as the example of the little widow. She had an effectual, fervent prayer. And Jesus said, I want you to be as she is. He said, I want you to have that same passion, that same fire, that same desire to have your things answered like she did. And Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We're to always be praying uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, there's like I've been telling you, it's not all the kinds, but I'm just telling you different kinds of prayer because sometimes you need to pray the prayer of agreement. Sometimes you need to pray the Word of God through faith. Sometimes you need to pray in the Spirit. Maybe two or three of you when you get together. Sometimes you need the prayer of uh, being effectual and fervent. But the second type there is supplication. This word literally meant like you would do if you were asking. Uh, say you had to go to a, a senator or to something like that, you would go to them and you would put in your supplication. A supplication is more formal. Some people, when they pray supplication, they actually get dressed up and go before God. You're putting in a formal... Uh, so if, if Congress enacts a law, which they have, let's just use Social Security, they've enacted a law that when you turn a certain age, you can get certain benefits, right? Now... If you're not getting those benefits, you got it. maybe you didn't make application or maybe something's holding up. So you would do a supplication. You would take and write it out and then go before and send it, you know, read it to them or whatever. And this is basically what this is terming about. You go through God's Word and you determine you got a situation and you take a formal request to God. God has already appropriated through Jesus Christ those things for you. So you put it in a written uh logical, understandable form, and you go before him and say, Lord, this is my supplication. 
This is a, most of you may not have ever done a supplication. You're making a supplication for God. This is what I had. You know, pastors had us do a few things. Write those things you believe in God for, that you believe God has spoken to you, and you begin to pray those things. That's a supplication. You've made a written, and if, it should be well thought out. It should be also based in the Scripture. It should be based upon what God has uh, already showed you, put in you, uh, the things that you're believing Him for, and then take it before the Lord as a supplication. I'm just throwing that in because most of you never heard of the prayer of supplication. Just giving you an extra one. Praise God. And lastly, Matthew 26, 40 through 42. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed for himself. This is a prayer he prayed when he wasn't willing. You say, Jesus wasn't willing? Well, yeah, he struggled with it. All flesh, all flesh, even Jesus in his flesh struggled with doing the will of God. As long as we're in the flesh, we're going to struggle. As long as you're in the flesh, when you go to heaven, you won't struggle. You'll have a new body, right? We'll be redeemed. But as long as you're here, you're going to struggle. And so he says here in Matthew 26, 40 through 42, and he comes into the disciples and finds them asleep. And Peter said, uh, and said to Peter, what? You could not watch me or pray with me an hour? Hallelujah. You may come here and go to sleep, but you don't mean you're out of the will of God. You're just (laughs) maybe awful tired or something, but they were that way. And verse 41 says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. What was going to be their temptation? To go to sleep and not pray. Go to sleep and not pray. What is it? Sometimes we're in that pattern. We go to sleep and not pray. We, you know, we keep going to sleep. Well, and he said this, which to me seems backwards. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They didn't go to sleep because their spirit wasn't willing, but their flesh was weak. What makes your flesh weak? We could give the simple answer of sin, which is true in itself. But what he was getting across to them that changed them from being weak in the flesh was they got filled with the spirit. When they got filled with the spirit, they could pray all night. When they were in jail at midnight, they were still going. You know, they went to the morning, I'm sure. It wouldn't take, you know, they were still doing because the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. But the f- flesh gets strong when the spirit is ruling and strong. They kept falling asleep even though their spirit man was willing. And in many of our lives, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's why we pray in the Spirit. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You're building yourself up. He says, When you don't know what you should pray for you as you ought, the Holy Spirit searches the plan of God or the mind of God, and He gives that into you and through the Spirit, and you begin to pray the plan of God and the will of God. Power comes to you. We have authority through Jesus dying and His resurrection, but our power comes through the Spirit of God. You can have all authority, but no power. Nothing's going to happen, really. 
But when you mix authority with power, you walk in victory. It's impossible to keep a person down who is praying effectively, who's mixing the authority that God gave us with the power that he empowers us with. You will be an overcomer. You will overcome in this life. You will not be under, but as it said in Deuteronomy, you'll be the head only and not beneath. Jesus is waiting for us to put the devil underneath our feet. He's waiting for us to put situations underneath our feet. The disciples couldn't do it until they got empowered from on high. He says, go and wait till you be endued with power from on high. And church, that's the secret. Having faith and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We walk in victory. We become what they call overcomers. And then he went the second time. He, did, he was struggling against sin because he had flesh he said he went a second time and prayed saying oh father if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it thy will be done see Jesus was having to conform his will he didn't want to die on the cross because his body didn't want to die but sometimes when you're not in God's will you need to be conformed that's a God I mean he knew it was God's will But he was praying, God, if it's possible, let it pass from me. I don't want to go through this. But his grace is sufficient. And then he said, nevertheless, your will be done. And in concluding today, you need to pray God's will in the things you know that's in his word. There are some things you don't want to go through. You need to pray and God will conform your will. There's some things you don't even know what to pray in anyway. You're so mixed up. He says, when you pray in spirit, the spirit helps your inability, your things you don't know. And he works the plan of God for it. It says, all things, after that scripture I just read, for all things work together for the good that them that love the Lord. That's those who are praying in Romans 8. And those are praying in the spirit. All things work together for good to those. They have interceded. And the plan of God has come into their life. And they have received it. Stand with me.